Welcome to the Purple Rock Survivor Podcast. We're now three episodes deep into Worlds Apart, and Andy, I think we got our first clunker of the season. Yeah, I mean, it happens. How much of a narrative can you construct out of, you know, Nina finally going home? Like, this is three episodes deep, they'd kind of burn that story, so... Um, if you get a few of these in a row, it's cause for alarm. One isn't that big a deal. Um, but I will say, beyond the lack of any kind of drama uh, in terms of strategy or voting, uh, it was a little unfortunate that this is the week that everybody on the island seemed to hate each other. I noticed a lot of uh, panic around the internet about this episode, as though we're now doomed to a terrible season because after three episodes, we haven't, like, set some new standard for how Survivor should be played. What season was amazing after three episodes? No, I mean, like, even Heroes versus Villains, we had to get through, like, you know, Sugar and uh, Randy. Randy and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah no, I mean, this it just takes a little bit to rev up. I do think what's happening here, or maybe it's what I hope, is this is going to be an entirely new season, a new game, once the swap happens. And we're just kind of waiting. And the waiting is not fun. No, we're getting some fodder out of the way, which is good. I'm actually not too disappointed at anyone that's gone home yet. The possible exception being Vince. But as we mentioned, when he went home, I'm only slightly disappointed because he might have been entertaining for a few more episodes. I didn't want him to stick around for the whole season. So No. But I do think, I do think now at three episodes in, um, it might be time to start judging the survivors on their actual merits on what we've seen on this show, as opposed to, you know, what we invented for them in our heads in the preseason. <laughs> uh, what, what do you think? Uh, I, I still feel like it's early to do much judging. I mean, I guess, in a way, the people that we've seen a lot of, like, really, have you formed a more fleshed-out opinion of Kelly at this point? Who? Oh. Exactly. So, it's kind of like rating the Cavaliers now that they got LeBron back after the first 30 games and saying, oh, this is a disaster. LeBron is washed up and the Cavs suck. No, just give it time. Things will develop. Things will look very different later on than they do now. I'm not saying that the chapters are completely written for these folks. What I'm saying is I think we now have more to talk about them than the 90 seconds or whatever the video preseason videos. Because <laughs> uh, there's, there's a few people who's uh, my opinion, I'm ready to, you know, change, uh, from what we thought they might be, uh, both positive and negative on both sides. But, I mean, I'm not, like, gonna open up the floodgates and induct 10 people into the 0% club or anything like that. Yeah, I don't know that I've done a total 180 on too many people. Uh, there might be some slight changes in my opinions, but I don't think there's been a, d who's your most drastic turnaround so far? Um, I'd say Mike, um, you know, even Rodney. Uh, yeah, there's a few. We'll talk. We'll get into it. But we're starting to see either who these people really are as opposed to who they presented themselves in interviews or possibly who they are going to be in the story. Uh, but, you know, one person I am not changed my mind about whatsoever is the person we're gonna, uh, we should do most of our talking to start with, and that's Nina. Uh, going into the season, we thought very little of her, and we were right, damn it. Yeah. You know, there's been some debate as to whether she was being unfairly treated by her tribe and whether it was somehow related to her disability or being old or whatever the issue might be, whether they were just excluding her. And I think the edit kind of showed us this week that she doesn't necessarily earn your sympathy because I'm sure you noticed they juxtaposed her saying, I have to try harder to fit in with a scene of her explicitly refusing to try to fit in when they offered her some lizard to eat. And she's just sitting there silent, and they're like, come on, Nina, come on, join us. Yeah, no, Nina sucks. <laughs> you know, I, I understand, like, there's the impulse. I understand the impulse. There's very nice people on the Internet that want to find her sympathetic. And some of that, yes, is because it most definitely is harder for her to integrate. I'm not going to deny that. There's also, you know, the issues of age, which come up all the time. And there's also, I think, a subset of Survivor fans that just naturally feel bad for the underdog. 
the person who is being, you know, excluded. And I don't know if it's just because, you know, they're nicer people than I am, or if they just kind of, you know, feel for the person that's less popular and there's some level of projection going on or something. Uh, and frankly, I think I might have used to do that in early Survivor. Uh, I'm not like that anymore. I, I choose, I cheer for winners now. Uh, <laughs> I'm wondering where you're still finding nice people on the internet. You must not go to the uh, same sites I go to. Well, I mean, some of them, they're all like, Still taking up arms for Nina. It's like, what did you see about Nina? I don't care. I'm not talking about what do you bring in from your personal life or, you know, the charity work you do or the people. It's like this person, this joyless, you know, person who refused to partake in anything and was out there, you know, just a total wet blanket. Why is she deserving of your sympathy? Because in a game where it's about making connections and uh, forming alliances, and she completely opted out of doing that. And it's like, forget even just the joining in. Why are you turning down food when you're on Survivor? Well, to be fair, it's maybe half a bite of food. That's a, not nothing when you're talking about Survivor. It's not like somebody brought home a, or brought back to camp. A half-chewed mint in their mouth well, or something like that's real it's, food. It's probably about as much nutritional value as licking someone else's finger. It's <laughs> not very filling. Yeah, and like I get, like even if okay, you just you don't want to do it. You don't want to eat the lizard. There's uh, you can be better natured about it. It's true. And I say this as somebody who has gone out to places many times where say there is. Alcohol being consumed and people, well, come on, Andy, join in and all that. I don't give them the stink face and like, no. I just say, hey, no, no, I'm good. Thanks. You guys have fun. I might even make some jokes about it because I'm just not going to do it. Nina wasn't doing any of those things. Nina was just a poor fit altogether. And I'm not blaming the other people for this. Could they have done more to include her? Yeah, but why? Like, why? What value is it into like, Changing everything you do to make somebody somebody like Nina feel better on the island. You know the one person you can probably safely blame for this? Probst, because he put her in a group with a bunch of people that she really doesn't fit in with. Yeah, no, I mean, swap her with Shireen, and I think this is a very different season for both of them. Uh, same time, it's like if you're somebody who only does well in a certain subset of people, then you're not good at Survivor. And I have few sympathies for people who are on Survivor that aren't good at it. Because all I care about as a TV viewer is watching people be good at Survivor. And it's like, so, if you're that other group of people, besides, you know, basic human compassion, and I want to say, I have yet to see anything that suggested they were completely lacking in empathy and compassion. They just maybe weren't going the extra mile. But why? She's not very useful in challenges. She's not getting along. She tried to vote you out last week. It's like, at some point, and Joe even still tried to reintegrate her. I mean, try to tell her not to quit, not to give up, even though it was like that was her reaction when she got back. Just like, yeah, whatever, you guys are going to vote me out. It's all over. It's like... Can we talk about that, by the way? You only have so much energy. Yeah, we will. Okay. But yeah, you only have so much energy as a survivor. You have less so when you're not eating. How much of that do you really want to expel to keep somebody like Nina? Or expend, but either way. Yeah, the whole, hey guys, just make me comfortable before you vote me out routine, that is obnoxious. I really just wish one of them had said, yeah, okay, sure, sounds great, and then just walked away. Because don't invite me to your pity party. Like, how ridiculous of a statement is that to make? Yeah, it's just like, I have no zero sympathy for her, and it's like, and you're probably the wrong person to ask, but it's just like, does this make me a bad person? <laughs> but yeah, her passive-aggressive stuff once they came back from camp, her refusal to join in when they were going out of their way to try and include her with the lizard stuff. It's just like, this is clearly how she was adjusting to the high-stress level environment of Survivor, and that's on her. Sorry, people who you're competing against only have to go so far to make you feel better. Yeah, maybe she was made for a different era of Survivor when it was a different kind of game, basically. She's not made for this era of Survivor. That's actually a great point. I do think that her casting, her role, her type is very much an old-school Survivor. And I'm not saying they, they screwed it up. Like, they might not have known. But, uh... 
I watched her morning after video because apparently now I'm watching all the videos uh, for a segment you can you know, read on our blog. Again, I get and it. Two more weeks of you doing that before you give up. This was a tough week to get through. I, <laughs> I bet. I, there was parts of me where I was just going to be like, not this week, guys. Not this week. You're, you don't care. Well, we don't care. Nobody cares. Yeah. I mean, you saw what made air, so the stuff that didn't couldn't be good. Yeah. It's like they had enough filler in those 42 minutes. Uh, but yeah, she was like, you know, I wanted to be, you know, kind of, she, she wanted to be somebody who could be an inspiration. I don't think she used quite those words, cause that's a little pompous to come out and say, I want to be an inspiration. But yeah, she thought like this would be a platform or something, and it's like, that, that's not Survivor anymore, you know? That was like Christy Smith back in Amazon, back when 20 million people were watching the show. You could have that type. But now, it's kind of been whittled down to big characters and game players. Because, the people who watch Survivor are people who watch Survivor. And there, you know, there isn't really another audience to reach. And that, if that was her role and that was her goal, then I don't think that works in Survivor 30. If you're going to have, you know, a, somebody with a disability like that, they have to be a lot more of a positive self-starter than I think Nina is. Uh, funny that you mentioned that too, because there was someone on last season that wanted to use Survivor as a platform that clearly didn't grasp that it's not that show anymore. Uh, Jacqueline? That's the one. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, probably in Jacqueline's case, she hadn't watched the show since back when that might have been a thing. But it's not a thing anymore, you know? Survivor itself is not popular enough for it to be a platform to the next thing. Uh, Very few people in Survivor can use it for anything more than Survivor fandom. Uh, and the people that do generally are like young and attractive and probably would have done well anyway. <laughs> I want to go on there and use Survivor as a platform for being an emotionless robot towards other people. I'm going to use it as a platform of earning a little bit of scratch for my family. How about that? There we go. And not even necessarily the million. No, just a little bit, you know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just go ahead and assume you're not going to win, but you're going to make some money for a short period of time, a relatively short period of time. Yeah, but no, you go on Survivor now because you want to go on Survivor. It's not anything else. And, um, yeah, I mean, maybe that was just Nina trying to find a few justifications, but I don't think so. I think that was like legitimately her motivation. And yeah, it's not your grandfather's Survivor anymore. It's not about kind of getting out there and forming a civilization and getting to know people. And well, speaking yeah. of your grandfather's Survivor, by the way, you had a, an interesting comparison. For this season with the previous season. Yeah, so we'll move on to the Blue Collar Tribe now. And when they cast Rodney, it was clearly that they were trying to find, like, the millennial Boston Rob or something. And we resisted right away. It's like, this is not Boston Rob. Like, you don't even like Boston Rob that much. And you were like, no, not Rodney. But in the dynamic that there's been this season, uh, it just so what strikes me that maybe Rodney is, like, Marquesa Boston Rob. And Mike is Hunter. And do you think it's going to shake out the same way? It's certainly, we're getting an edit that seems to indicate that it might. It truly does. Like, last week we were talking how, you know, they might not have done an all-star version for season 30, but it seems like just a bunch of homages to the past. And yeah, this seems like the kind of traditional alpha workaholic uh, who would normally be the leader uh, was generally the leader of, you know, seasons one through three in Survivor. Against a younger guy, and the younger guy's like, screw you, old man. I'm not doing it your way. And the tribe is on the side of the young guy. Yeah, and by the way, I'm guessing you're going to be with me on this. How weird is it that I I want to take Rodney's side? Yeah, I'm pro-Rodney in this argument, too. I mean, he's not he, he didn't cover himself in glory, necessarily. No, God, no. He probably could have handled it in a far more mature way. And I'm, yeah, like, chill for a f- second, Mike. Yeah. Uh, Get, let the guy eat some breakfast. You've got nothing but time out there. It does not need to be done this very second. And for all of Mike's belly aching that nobody else is working, does that camp strike you as one that's like a particular disaster? Yeah, exactly. I think we've seen disaster camps before, and I don't think that's one of them. No, like the fact that Rodney could say, I want to eat breakfast, well, clearly they have enough for somebody to have made breakfast by now, you know? Like that, that shelter looks pretty solid, you know? So it's like, yeah, I think I'm kind of on the side of Rodney that, you know, Mike needs to chill out. And, and like, interestingly is back in Marquesa, 
I was not pro Boston Rob for that. I was like, you know, this young pup, you know, he's an idiot. They're never going to win a challenge. How do they vote out Hunter? <laughs> but you think about it, and it's like, well, for one, Survivor isn't about us following this other leader. If you want to be in control and you've got the votes, then sure, turf that other guy. Exactly. And, have, and yeah, if they would have gotten to uh, Tribal Council, I would have been like, yeah, get rid of Mike, Rodney, just do it. I mean, people seem to like you better than liking Mike, and that does not speak well for Mike. Yeah, I, I mean... I don't know, that might just be a side effect of the tribe that he's on. But we're talking about the same, we're supporting the same guy who basically pulled the what'd you say about my mama routine? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was so classic, but what the hell, Dan? Really, come on. Yeah, and <laughs> again, I have to take Rodney's side, and this makes me sad. But yes, it's ridiculous that Rodney got offended at Dan's offhand comment. But on the other hand, who the hell casually just throws around your mother is a whore. It's just so weird, you know? It's like, forget that like it's offensive, because I think, like, I don't think he was trying to be offensive. I don't think he genuinely meant it, but it's like, especially the way we saw it, and frankly, I don't think it's that, you know, far off, given the way that was taken. It was just like, that's his go-to move or something? Yeah. It's like, what's that? So, like, do you have Tourette's? I just don't understand. Yeah, I mean, I'll say it to you if you speak ill of Shireen, but that, that's understandable. I'd have cause. Well, then chew it up, because that's going to happen. <laughs> I'm, I'm putting it in the chamber then, because it, it'll <laughs> come out. Um, but, I mean, unless we saw it wildly out of context, which, as you pointed out, it doesn't seem like it was that far out of context. Why are you just casually tossing around that someone's mother is a whore? Yeah, like, like that's your joke. And here's the thing, like, you're, Dan, you're not in a good spot here. You know, You don't get to joke like that. I don't think you and Rodney are that chummy just yet. You know? like if, if you have an ounce of understanding about oneself, he has to know that he's at the bottom here and he should be walking a little bit more on eggshells. And, you know, he gave an interview suggesting that he did understand that about himself. I kind of feel like that interview came after the your mom is a horror moment. <laughs> uh, but it's just weird and I think it's just like we might be learning stuff about Dan here. That he's Maybe that guy who talks his way into trouble a lot. Yeah. I did like, though, and, man, you really have to stop me. I can't keep saying nice things about Rodney or I'm just going to feel so dirty. But his line to Mike, is there a C on your shirt, bro? Are you the captain? That was awesome. Bravo. Yeah, no, like, he, when he was, I mean, he was saying too many things. He's, he does that classic, like, Judd thing where he talks angry and uses a string of big words that he isn't quite confident that he knows what he's saying. Right. Uh, he's cool, calm, and collective. Uh, cool, calm, and collective. But at the same time, it's like, yeah, give it to him. Like, Mike does The captain insult was pretty good. I was, I was impressed. Yeah, I was. And I'm trying to figure out how I can work in my life. It's like, I'm jacked for a reason, bro. <laughs> uh, no, like, I kind of get why they cast a Rodney. He's not as bad as I thought he was. In many ways, he still is exactly what we thought he no, was. He's, he's pretty close to what we thought he was. But, maybe in a not-so-bad way, because, like, people are gravitating more to him than they are to others. Uh, and it helps that I think he actually has the side of righteousness on him. Like, so, yeah, there's all that friction, and there was, you know what? Rodney wasn't the only person mouthing off at Mike. And apparently some people have a problem with it. Um, Lindsay went after him quite a bit, and uh, I'm interested in your take on that. Again, feel kind of weird saying this, but Lindsay was actually making sense. And I like that she stood up for herself. She wasn't just going to take Mike's shit. She was pointing out all the work that they'd done. And just because it's not the exact work that Mike was doing doesn't mean it's not work. Although tending the fire is really a minimal amount of work. But still, it's something. Again, Mike has this very narrow view of what should be done and when it should be done and how it should be done. They're all doing things and clearly having a productive camp life, and she's calling him out on it, and I like it. I like that she didn't just sit there and take it and like, okay, we'll try harder, Mike. No. Throw it in his face. He's wrong. Yeah, I mean, typically what happens is the person who goes off on a rant always about how nobody works quite like they are, I'm the hardest working, you guys all this, people just kind of roll their eyes and then talk amongst themselves when that guy's gone. But they just let it happen, because a lot of Survivor is about just not putting yourself out there, not, you know, making waves. I kind of didn't mind that Rodney and Lindsay were both like, no, shut up, dude. Yeah, We don't need this from you. Um, 
Is it Fantastic Survivor play that's going to lead them to the victory? Maybe not. But, yeah, I was on their side. Uh, I think Lindsay probably took it a step too far. And, you know, she's like, where's your god now? You think she uh, might have crossed a little line there? It's possible. You know, I, I kind of find it funny because, you know, I'm a heathen. But at the same time, that's something you say for the confessionals. And I want to say that I'm really digging Lindsay's confessionals. I think she is actually a pretty good narrator for that side. She is. I, I don't know that she's a good player, but she's an entertaining narrator at least. Yeah, and I don't know that she's a bad player either, like. I don't know either way. Um, Jerry Spiller. Uh, there's no evidence, right? Yeah, they haven't had to play for the most part. Uh, but she certainly seems observant. Uh, she's kind of sitting back, and she's got a good, I think, uh, bead on everybody on her tribe. So I think there's a lot of people who are annoyed by her because, you know, the young people with their face tattoos and blah, blah, blah. But kids these me. days. Yeah, go for it, Lindsay. Like, I don't think the stars on her face are really hurting her haircutting business. I don't know about you, but a lot of hairdressers I've seen don't typically be all that straight-laced. You don't think that's an impediment to her career success? It's possibly not. I mean, unless you all out there on the Internet just have brighter hopes for Lindsay and her career path, maybe just, you know, let her live a bit. Um. All right, so that's one tribe not getting along with each other. Let's move on to another tribe of not getting along with each other. Was there another tribe that's not getting along with each other, Andy? Well, actually, yeah, that might be a bit ex- an exaggeration. It seems like uh, there's a good number of people on the white-collar tribe that are getting along. Uh, it's just not everybody. Is your good number two, meaning Max and Shireen? Is, was Max on this episode? Uh, I, wait, he was looking for an idol, I think. Futile uh, looking for an idol. Uh, look, I don't want to be the bearer of bad news here, but... Shireen is not integrating well in her tribe. Uh, first of all, I want to say, your mother's a whore. Oh, great. <laughs> Secondly, I want to say, I blame that on the other people in her tribe, because why would you not like Shireen? Um, also, quick aside here, Tyler and Carolyn, and maybe Walk. to an extent Joaquin, were not a big fan of Shireen's monkey fucking story. So, my wife went to the zoo, and she comes home, and she's like, honey, you are not going to believe this. I saw rhinos having sex, and proceeds to go through, like, two to three minutes of reenactments, of vivid descriptions of what she saw, and I was laughing and enjoying myself. So, you're not going to hear me trashing Shireen's strategy of trying to tell a funny story to her tribe mates. No, look, when you go to the zoo and the animals go at it, that's like a highlight, because frankly the zoo is just a walk outside. It's usually just animals hating their life. But I go all the time anyway, I have a season's pass. Uh, but I think at this point, there should have been enough evidence for the, you know, keen observer of people to recognize that this ain't the place, man. These aren't the people. And, you know, you can feel all well and good that, you know, Shireen is well within her rights as a human to feel the way she is and try to have some fun. That ain't going to help her if these people vote her out. And I I think with 100% certainty, if they had lost this challenge, if Joe had decided not to, say, do it, the the challenge four on five, uh, we would have been listening to a lot of Shireen exit interviews today. I will grant you that's very possible because I don't think Max would have been willing to expend the capital to keep her. I don't know if he has it. Like, I think, you know, one or maybe one of the reasons why we didn't see a lot of Max is he's getting a lot of that alone time that he's so excited about. <laughs> uh, look, I, you can, I mean, we can think that Tyler and Carolyn and Joaquin are, you know, just this humorless bunch. That's and fine, they are. But, they're the worst. But they're the majority. Shireen is basically having the same problem that Nina has, just opposite. You know? Whereas Nina is the wet blanket amongst a cry- tribe that wants to have fun, Shireen's the person who wants to have fun amongst the tribe of wet blankets. But neither is going to help you stay in the game. Uh, and there should have been enough feeling about... Because I don't think Tyler, especially, was being fairly... Um, subtle with how off-put he was of all things sex uh, in the preceding days. So, yeah, it's like, be excited. Maybe pull your buddy Max over. Have a confessional. Because, yeah, again, 
I'm telling that story. Yeah. Like, you should have seen it. Like, look at the, look at what that monkey was packing. Um, <laughs> Did you see? I took a screenshot of it. It was massive. Um, by the way, she wasn't just telling the story. She was full on gesturing, like, as if they were playing charades and you had to guess what animal coital act she was imitating. But, like, if this wasn't Shireen, if this wasn't somebody who you've set up to be, like, the example for your daughter, if this was Zane <laughs> doing this... You know, oh, you don't think time, I would have laughed at Zane doing this? You would have laughed, but at the same time, you would have been like, that guy is freaking nuts, and they're going to vote him out. And I I, think but I'm, you know, a, I'm agreeing with you. I'm saying that, yes, it's a possibility that Shireen would have gotten voted out if that had if it had come to that. It concerns me about her ability to form the proper social bonds, or, or at the very least, to read the room. Yeah, and look, if it's a room of sh- crappy people, it's a room of crappy people. But you know, that kind of, those crappy people could vote you out. Yeah, ultimately, Shireen might be in a bad spot because uh, she doesn't fit in well with the people she's at. I think where she would fit in well is with those no colors. I mean, obviously she couldn't be a no color because she's, you know, a ranking executive in one of the biggest companies in the U.S. Uh, but you could see her out there trying to surf, right? At least more so than Nina. And she's definitely shown a greater propensity yeah. for maybe skinny dipping in an ocean than Nina would have. Yeah, or at the very least, like, Jen and Hallie would have wanted to hear that monkey f***ing story, right? Jen and Hallie would have been like, oh, hang on, let me pull up a chair. I'm going to get myself comfortable and settle in because this is going to be a good story. Yeah, they'd laugh and say, tell it again. Um, What do you think of the surfing scene? Actually, I was sort of impressed with, and this is a very nerdy thing, but I was impressed with, like, the sort of cinematography of it. Like, they did the whole um, almost like an actual surfing scene side by side as they're hitting the admittedly very small waves going back towards the beach. It's pretty cool. I mean, look, it's filler in an episode because they didn't have, you know, a challenge or anything like that, but this is the sort of thing that used to happen all the time on Survivor. They used to just kind of give us glimpses of camp life that didn't necessarily fit into the who's not getting along with who, who's in trouble, who's searching for idols type stuff. It was just kind of like, these are the sort of things that happen when you put people out there. You know, so in Africa you get... You know, Frank talking to the elephants or whatever. Uh, and you get stuff like that. And um, this week, or no, last week, Rob uh, had Kathy uh, Vavrico-Brian on his podcast. And she was talking about how, like, that's what she finds is the biggest difference. Is Survivor just used to be edited more about kind of the interacting with the landscape, the nature, and all of that. Uh, one of the reasons why I think they don't, well, for one, it's kind of what I was saying in the Nina discussion in that, the people watching now are kind of fans of the game, and they don't care about that stuff. But also, uh, they're using the same location like three or four times in a row. It's only so much you can show of it. Well, but, but you mentioned just the interacting with the scenery. It's not even that. They used to do... You remember when... Uh, I think it might have been in All-Stars, like Boston Rob's Tribe was doing the whole morning show routine. It was like him and Alicia and... I think uh Rob C. was in there, and they were just all doing a fake morning show to entertain themselves. They used to show that kind of stuff fairly regularly. Well, except for that one, I believe, was only thrown in the clip package show that they threw in. So well, that didn't, even that didn't make the actual episode. But yeah, no, we used to just get a little more a slice of these people just kind of getting along and doing things, getting to know them as people. And that's what that scene kind of felt like, and I didn't mind it. Especially, and it kind of felt like a bit of an oasis in the otherwise a lot of unpleasantness that was there. And also, I think, shows that, yeah, there's a lot of time. You can take some time out of your day to just enjoy yourself. It yeah, doesn't Mike. all have to be about collecting, exactly. It doesn't have to be collecting firewood, Mike. Uh, let's talk a little more about the No Collar tribe, though, because Joe, who is the nominal leader of that tribe, is apparently... Not so gifted with the strategy. Unless, of course, you believe an explanation that I think you heard somewhere else. Yeah, so we're talking about the... um Challenge strategy, I should be challenge clear. Challenge strategy, yes, yes. About not having Nina do it. Uh, first off, yeah, let's, let's talk about it, and then we'll share the theory that I've heard out there. Um, that was stupid, right? That was incredibly stupid. 
I don't, I don't really know what the point of it was, but I guess the idea would be that you're going to pass the bucket over at the end and she's going to help carry it to the finish line. But that's not really what she did. So. Yeah. No, at first when they sent it out there, I'm like, oh, they're just maybe staggering it so they can manage handoffs through the obstacle horse. But no, she pretty much just waited at the very end and then, yeah, helped not at all while they poured most of the water on the floor. So that didn't work. Um, all right, so the, the theory that this is what Probst floated out there in uh, his you know weekly uh, interview with Dalton Ross, and he doesn't know. I think he's just trying to piece it together like the rest of us, is that maybe it really was about her disability uh, in that negotiating the barrel through all that, you know, bringing it back through the obstacle course required a lot of you know quick burst uh, communications of the sort that Nina just can't. Do, you know, her implants, you know, struggle with crosstalk, that sort of thing. So maybe the idea was, rather than have her mess it up, we'll just, you know, take her out of the equation. And nobody has gone on record saying that because nobody wants to say, yeah, we didn't want her doing it because she's deaf. Uh, That's certainly plausible. It's still stupid. It it is. Uh, Because Here's the thing, if you think somebody's participation in the challenge is going to be such of negative value that it'll be a hindrance, maybe just wait and find out. Maybe maybe don't preemptively make that choice. It reminds me of Ozzy deciding to throw a challenge in Cook Islands because he thinks this guy is going to make them lose challenges. It's like, <laughs> you're causing the very thing you're trying to prevent. Self-fulfilling prophecy starring Ozzy. So yes, uh, Nina's might be an obstacle... But the lack of another person is as much of an obstacle as that. I personally enjoyed Joe's I take full responsibility thing afterwards because he takes the kind of full responsibility that results in absolutely no consequences whatsoever to him. That's a fun kind of responsibility to take. Oh, yeah, no, that's a great one. I, I love scenarios like that. Oh, sorry, guys, my bad, my bad. Yes. I'm not going to do anything. This was all that. on me, and, um, yeah, so I'm just going to, you know, go collect my paycheck and go home. Uh, but I got to go now, and you guys have to stay here to clean up my mess. Right. It's really seriously, guys, my bad. Yes. Oh, I, I feel <laughs> awful. See you later. Yeah, this combined with last week, where they're splitting votes at the you know the first vote when there's only six of them and they don't know anybody's loyalties, maybe shows a propensity to overthink things just a tad. Well, actually, I, I was gonna save this for a little bit, but we're already talking about the no collars, so I'll get into it now. I think a lot of people are assuming that Joe is the leader of that tribe, and I think they're sort of letting him believe that he's the leader of that tribe. But we got a little scene in there this week of. Presumably, depending on how it was edited, because it could have been, you know, edited out of chronological order. But it seemed like they'd already decided, okay, we're voting Nina. Jen and Haley slip off, and Jen says, you know what? We'll vote Will. I kind of feel like Jen is becoming the power player here, behind the scenes. Now, obviously they end up voting Nina anyway, so maybe they change their mind later... Maybe that scene, like I said, was way out of chronological order. But in general, I just feel like Jen's not just going to follow whatever plans are suggested if she doesn't feel that they're the right way to go. Well, I think you're trying to find the power player because that's your white-collar way of thinking, man. (laughs) These are no-collars. They don't follow the rules. They break the rules. There's no leadership structure there, man. They're doing what they feel. Um... (laughs) Like, if your point is, no, I don't think Joe is the alpha dog that everybody's following. I think he is the most useful asset on the team. Like, he is, a, you know, an athlete. He does amazing at puzzles, and it sounds like he's doing the most work around camp. So, sure, certainly you can let him feel pretty good about himself, and you want to make him feel involved. But, yeah, I think the decisions are all being made uh, by each individual and then maybe coming together as a group. And I think that three is probably you're just making decisions. I don't think there's just one person's like, that's how we're going to do it. Especially, you know, when you look this week, the decisions were pretty simple. <laughs> and the one that Joe really had to make, he screwed up. So you're saying it's an oligarchy, basically? That's how that's the yeah, power structure model that we're working with? It is, for now. 
And I think actually that might do well for them. I'm not, I'm not writing any of these three off. I think they could do pretty well once they rid themselves of some of the dead weight, depending on how things shape up. But yeah, to your point that no, um, maybe Jen deserves a little more credit. Maybe Jen and Hallie both deserve a little credit. Yeah, sure. I mean, women always deserve more credit than they're given <laughs> on this show. Uh, a lot of people online this week, not fans of Jen. They think she's really mean, which she kind of is, and that's why I like her. But I don't know that we saw anything this week that made me think, wow, Jen is so mean. I mean, she calls Nina emotionally weak in this episode, which I guess could be considered mean, but I didn't feel like it was. I thought she was saying, you know, Nina, we're not targeting you because you're old and weak and disabled. We're targeting you because you're an emotional wreck, which maybe isn't quite as much of a way to soften the blow as it sounded in my head, but that's why I'm bad at social interaction. Did you see anything from Jen that made you think, oh, she's so mean this week? I mean, most of my initial rant about Nina was about that. It's like, no, I'm like, Nina sucked. I'm sorry that you all feel bad for the deaf old lady, but she was worthless. Stephen Fishback in uh, the live know-it-all session nailed it. She's the opposite of a triple threat. She's a triple negative. <laughs> she has no social game. She's she's done a terrible strategically. She's terrible physically. So, yeah, if Jen had lost her patience for this whiny drain on their tribe, and maybe rolled her eyes the what the fiftieth time that Nina sat there and accused her of being you know discriminatory toward the disabled, then I would do similar things. Now Jen isn't given the scenes that Nina, or uh, sorry that Hallie and Joe were given, where they you know extended even more of an olive branch to Nina. I'll even grant that maybe she's not given those scenes because she's not doing it. <laughs> but I don't know why that makes her just this horrible. Bitch that everybody still thinks she is. And it could just be that you and I's sense of humor runs a little closer to Jen than Nina's, who uh, doesn't have one. I was going to say, uh, <laughs> are we comparing to zero? Is that what's happening here? Yeah. And it's like, and people, look, everybody watches this differently. It's one of the great strengths of Survivor is that there's so many different ways to watch it and to cheer for it. But yeah, it's like, uh they're not good people. I don't care. I don't care. I really as don't either. As long as you're either. not aggressively awful. Aggressively awful is bad because also it's just a bad way of playing Survivor. You know? Uh, Russell Hans is a bad way of trying to win Survivor. Yes. But, oh, that person sure seems nice. I stopped caring about that when Pascal draw, drew, like, the purple rock. Like, it's such an old way of thinking. And I just, I just don't care how nice people are and aren't. Come on, we love it when they give the confessionals where they're just burning their contestants left and right. Oh, uh, love some that. of our very favorite people, John Cocker and Tyson, uh, for me, Boston Rob. Courtney. Like, it's a, it's a, Sandra. Uh, Sandra. Uh, and yeah, if Jen's gonna do that, like, again, I pointed out Lindsay could be credit that. It's like, yeah, sure. Talk about sucky people sucking. Cause it's funny. If you're, if you truly would rather watch a television show of Nina's versus Jensen, I don't know what to tell you, man. Yeah, then maybe this isn't the show for you. But hey, keep watching it and complaining about it. Like, like we uh, did last season. <laughs> yeah. This is one thing I'll say of all the thing, flaws of the people last season. I think most of them are pretty nice. And that was the problem. Yeah, it was really boring. Because they were uh, all fairly nice. Alright, so. They had a decision such as it were. Uh, do you vote out Nina or do you vote out Will? Uh, they ultimately chose Nina. You, why do you think that Hallie voted for, uh, for Will as opposed to Nina? I think, and I know you disagree with this, I think it was just a vote split thing because they have so many votes. They know it's going to one of the two of them. So just as a just-in-case move, you know, you split your votes so that if someone plays an idol... You're fine. It's not bouncing back and hitting any of the three of you. Yeah, look, I don't disagree that that's certainly plausible. I'm saying we have no evidence for it, and at this point, it's fan fiction. Yeah, like, we don't know that that's what happens. But it why certainly would, makes sense. But why would they have shown that on the show? Because it would have stripped any what little drama there was from the show. Again, it very well could have happened. And as you say, like, it takes any amount of power on Nina's hands. that Her vote will not count if you do this. So certainly that could have been it. 
And certainly the show could have had no motivation for doing it. What I'm saying is we have 0.0 evidence that that's what it could be. It could just as easily have been Hallie just feeling bad for Nina and not wanting to write her name down and not having to because there was enough votes anyway. We don't know. And, you know, we shouldn't be inventing things that we aren't just saying it's possible. And so, uh, where our discussion came up is, you know, for fantasy scoring, it's just like, yeah, we could invent a lot of stuff. I want to hear it in an exit review. I want to see a video on the website. None of those things exist. But, yeah, I don't care. It's just points in a uh, stakes-free oh, game. Yeah, uh, and, uh, and I'm also saying, by the same token, show me an interview where Hallie says, oh, I felt bad about voting for Nina, so I voted for Will. You can make the oh, same yeah, argument look- in the other direction. Yeah, but in that direction, no points are changing hands whatsoever. Um, <laughs> so it's the easier one. It's like, let's wait. I'll give points for things that we see instead of things that we think. So voting out Nina was clearly what the majority of people there were thinking of doing. Should it have been her or should it have been the really terrible at challenge as well? No, I'm fine with it being Nina. Um, either one of them is actually fine to send home. I'm more interested in the tribal council where Jeff... Must have just been so, so very excited that somehow this group above all others has totally embraced this no collar label that he's applied, that he made up and has applied to them. And he's also just applied all these characteristics to them that he's decided that they've had. And apparently... They think, oh yes, we are free spirits. That's the no-collar way of being, Jeff. It's the no-collar ethos, as though that's the thing. I, I want to get a shirt. Um, yeah, I, I think it's actually instructive of the way that the show's producers can really drive and direct an entire narrative and the entire way of thinking. They will call it no-collar because probably in their first three days of interviewing, they were like, okay, no-collar. Say no collar. Okay, can you say the thing you just said, but with no collar? Or how does it feel to be a no collar? In a no collar opinion, what do you think of this? <laughs> and it's, yeah, they talk about it. This is how you get a show where, you know, John Cochran's dad calls him Cochran instead of John. It's like, this show can do that. And then it works. And I do think, yeah, they just start thinking of themselves that way. Not just in that terminology that Jeff has, you know, created out of nowhere. But in the way of thinking that, yeah, this is the way it works. This is how we, who we are. Whereas, yeah, you put her somewhere else. Uh, Hallie especially. Hallie's uh, my favorite know. case because it, she's, a law, she's a law student. If if a communist dictator was on this show and he just also happened to be a surfer, would you be like, oh, well, he's a free spirit. He throws people in prison all the time, but, boy, he loves to catch a wave. Yeah, and... I think also it was a traditional, just, you know, eight and eight, no theme type season. And somebody said that about her, like, oh, yeah, she, I mean, they wouldn't use the term no collar because it's not a thing this, that exists. It doesn't exist. Um, oh, yeah, she's just some flighty no collar. Like, she'd take offense to that. <laughs> but because the, the show is able like, created this artificial bond, they pick it up. And as I guess the great philosopher once said, perception becomes reality. Here's a fun little thing I read online today. Obviously, this season, Probst is very big on calling it no-collar, white-collar, blue-collar. You'll remember two seasons ago, we had brains, brawn, beauty tribes. They're not called necessarily by the tribal names that they were given. Uh, what did they call those tribes in Cook Islands again? <laughs> I know what we called them. Yeah, exactly. Somehow, they forgot to call them by a more common name in that season. Wonder, wonder why that is. Uh, getting back to it, yeah, like, there's people saying, it should have been Will, he sucks at challenges even more than Nina. That might be true. I mean, Nina sat one out, and then she was, like, basically cast out of this one. What I'm saying is it doesn't matter. The the right, the best move for those three other people would be to vote them both out, but you don't get to do that. Yeah, you can only Um, go one at a time here. So there's really probably no wrong choice, but more than challenges, you have to live at camp. Challenges are like an hour out of 72. And Nina was just a bummer, man. So Will can get along, you know? He can integrate. And, you know, there's the argument that he flipped his vote once, so he's untrustworthy. It's like, Nina is going to flip. Yeah. If she Nina's gets to not sticking to- around anyway. It doesn't matter. Yeah. It's like, Nina was at the point with every demonstration she did, how 
much she set herself apart from the very beginning of the episode and throughout that, like, you might have to start talking seriously about, like, throwing a challenge to keep her away from you in a swap or merge situation. Uh, Will might, but he might hang with you. I mean, the devil you know type deal. There's no reason for Will to necessarily believe he'd be better off with somebody other than these three, whereas Nina would absolutely be better off with anybody. (laughs) Couldn't get worse, basically. Yeah, so, no, Nina was the move. And ultimately, I think this also shows... That while it was still an okay move for Will to vote out Vince because Vince wasn't good for Will, uh, it was a, it sucked for the tribe. They would have much been better off if Nina was gone last week and then Vince was around. Like maybe they wouldn't even have gone to tribal council. Very possibly. So thank you for not keeping Vince last week. <laughs> um, alright. So that's pretty much it on what happened this episode which uh, wow we can really just talk man well let's There's get not much happened let's get to your favorite segment though the zero percent club um those of you who follow me on twitter uh or follow us on twitter i snuck onto the the account lot late last night mm. and posted some controversial statements mm. uh, or, but honestly okay i went to bed i've had some time this might not be the 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 the, the Frankly, I thought it might break the podcast. Um, <laughs> you would have heard a whole lot of bleeps right now, Andy. Before I went to sleep last night, I was like, uh, do I put Shireen in the 0% club? What would that do? I had some soul searching. I was like, I, I just don't know. Like, it's fun when we, you know, debate little Tyson Sierra or whatever, but, you know, like, this is some real stuff. Um, I will tell you what would happen. If you put Shireen in the 0% club, I'm going to take off my belt, I'm going to pull down my pants, I'm gonna here. So, uh, here's a, here's a question for you though. Uh, and yeah, so we can keep this less contentious. I'm not doing it, uh, and I'll explain why. But um, what would it take for you to put Shireen in zero percent? <laughs> okay, so if like just going to all three tribes and dumping out the rice? No, 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 no. I I have I have something that could actually happen. That would be like okay. That's it. We're done. So if, you know, we get to a tribe swap combination, whatever you want to call it, phase, and now suddenly Shireen has decided, hmm, well, got to do what's best for Shireen. I'm going to align with Rodney. Rodney and I are going to be best buddies. We're going to be bros and we're going to bro out. We're going to partner up with Lindsay and with Joaquin. And we're just going to go all the way to the end. I'd be like, all right, well, it's over. It's been real, guys. Thanks. I'm going to steer this bandwagon right off the curb. Yeah. Everybody out. <laughs> yep. Everybody out. Bandwagon's so, broken down. Yeah. Uh, it's interesting you mentioned the swap, because the swap is the reason why I'm not putting her in. Thank you. Uh, I would say that she's in a terrible position now. I'm saying that if she can make it, salvation is Yeah, because you just have to think back to, think back to Kagayan when... Spencer was in a horrendous position, just clearly doomed. Get to the swap, suddenly his group of three is in a power position, very temporarily, and his whole game changed. Yeah, and he's seconds away from an immunity win that could have carried him all the way to winning the entire game. So, yeah. And there's also the thing of, like, she's been featured fairly heavily in the edit, and there's two ways to parse that. It could be it's because... They're setting up the fact that she's the next boot. Right. But almost at this point, because it's been two episodes in a row of this, it's like, they might be telegraphing it too far for the next boot, you know? Mm-hmm. To the point where, you, I don't know if you'd want to suck that much drama out of it. So it's like, th- there might be some more for this character yet. So I'm closer to predicting that she's the next person to go than I am predicting that she has zero chance to win. I think... We need, for for her, and probably for a few others, we need to see how the swap sh- shakes out. Or the shuffle shuffles out. It would be an easier way of saying that. So that is why I'm backing down. I know some of you guys might have been pretty excited about it. Just know uh, I was close, because it's just it's not looking good for her now. But this is the phase of the game where you need to not pay so much attention to what somebody's current circumstance is and more what the adage and what their personalities are telling us. And I just want to remind our listeners that if you had put her in the 0% club, she'd be in good company because you also put Tony in the 0% club. And how did that one turn out? It turned out great. <laughs> For if Tony. I hadn't done this, 
This segment would be so dull. Yeah. You know, come on. I took a stand. I put it out there. See that guy who just got most of the edit in the first episode and won an idol? He's <laughs> gonna have 0% chance. Like, that was ballsy. It was something. Um, no, but that's not to say I'm not gonna put people in the 0% club. Uh, cause, uh, welcome to the club, Will. <laughs> What a bold move, Andy. Yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, I know. And look, what I just said about you got to see how people's circumstances shake, shake out is certainly possible that Will could find himself post-truffle, a truffle. That's probably why I didn't say shuffle. <laughs> truffle, shuffle. Yeah. Is uh, where people, you know, he suddenly forms himself into alliance. This is why I don't think Will could win this game. It's twofold. One, it's hard to imagine somebody who's that big a net negative making it to the merge. Like, at some point, the tribe he finds himself on, whether he makes it to the shuffle or not, is going to lose challenges because Will is a participant in them, and they're going to have to get rid of him unless they want to keep losing those challenges. So uh, that is a big drain. And then it's just like, I don't think you can win Survivor being that bad at challenges. I think people overblow how important challenges are, they're not that important. The only two-time winner in the history of the game has never won one. But, like, Sandra, if I'm going to go into a baseball term here, Sandra's VORP in challenges would be about zero. You should at least clarify what VORP means, although I actually yeah. do know this term. It's a value over replacement player. So if you replace them with just a regular, you know, off-the-street survivor, I suppose, <laughs> with me, maybe, um, how, how would they contribute to team challenges? And I'd say Sandra's a zero. She's not hurting you, and she's not contributing anything. Will is hurting you. His VORP is, like, minus 50. And at some point, like, a tribe just has to get rid of him. And he was lucky that, you know, and, and like, a player than that can keep their head down and not be a target the way that Vince was, the way that Nina was. But eventually, even if you have plans, like, this guy's going to be my GOAT, you have to cut that guy loose because you can't lose all the time and expect to do well at Survivor. And then the other thing is, how would somebody who is that net negative go in front of a jury is like, yeah, I played an awesome game of Survivor. And it's like, oh, I can always remember the times that you were sucking wind after every challenge. Like, it's just not a good look. Right. He's going in for me, too. Any uh, different reasons? Uh, no, you pretty much covered all of them. Um, it just, if, if he's the winner, I don't know that we're seeing some of the scenes that we've seen of Will so far. Yeah, I guess the argument there is you can't not show scenes and challenges. It's just a functionary <laughs> part of the show. Um, I will also go ahead, not to steal your thunder, I'll let you go again. No, but no, it's your turn. I just went on a soliloquy about Will. I am now going to follow you by throwing Dan into the mix. I was a little gun-shy last week. I think I saw enough this week. Sorry, Dan. I don't think you're bouncing back from this. Like, I think... This is who you are. You're a guy that's going to say stupid things. And as much as it pains me to take Rodney's side, uh, that was a dumb move. And I don't think it would be Dan's last one should he stick around for a while. So, Dan's out. What's important is, is yeah, it was a dumb move, but it wasn't even just a move. It was just Dan being Dan. And that's why, like, he could certainly benefit from a swap and be, like, a useful vote for people. Uh, he could turn on these, you know, the girls that have been laughing in his face and all that. But at a certain point, Dan's gonna Dan it up, and somebody's just gonna be like, oh, no, not, not, not this guy. Even if Dan, Dan's him with his way all the way to the jury, he's a goat. Like, it's just who he is, and he's not gonna inspire the level of confidence that a winner has to inspire. So who else do you got? So I got one, I got one more. Um, I'm ready to put Rodney in. And it's just like we just had all that conversation where we were like, you know what, Rodney might not he has a point. We're on his side. I guess that's all true. I think actually Rodney's done a pretty good job up until this point for what he could do. But I think the way he reacted to Mike, even if it was justified, the way he was speaking of what how angered that Dan made him, to Rodney's credit, he didn't actually go off there, just shows that Rodney does not have the temper or the maturity required to win. Survivor. You don't think everyone is just lining up to give the petulant child a million dollars? No. And, like, I mean, that's why, like, you were ready to put him in before the show even started. Yep. <laughs> it's like, you didn't need anything more. It's like, no, no, that guy isn't going to win. I wanted to at least wait until there was something on the episode to talk about. Uh It is incredibly hard for a type like Rodney to win at all. Uh, it's never happened before. 
and Rodney ain't going to be the first, folks. No, he's uh, not. He's doing all right. This isn't necessarily a critique on how his current gameplay is operating. That's an important distinction to know about what's happening with 0%. You can do well in Survivor and never win. Yeah, and Rodney how, could make Russell Final 3. has done really great. Yeah, Russell, yeah, Final 2. Like He could he could control votes all the way. Rodney ain't never convincing a jury of people to give him the money. Exactly. The only convincing Rodney will have to do in front of a jury will not be to get a million dollars. Like, can you imagine Rodney uh, being, you know, raked over the coals by the jury? Which is always happening. I don't care if you've played a, a flawless, spotless game where everybody loved you. There's still somebody who's going to go after you because the producers basically egg them on to. Yes. Um, like, like Penner has gone after people he knew he was voting for and liked. He, you know, he looked really awful against Denise because he wants that moment of theater. Mm-hmm. Is Rodney going to handle that well? Is he going to give a satisfactory answer? Or is it like, oh, yes, yes, definitely. Uh, spoiler, I don't think you're going to get to see it this season. No, at some point, he is going to flare up at the wrong time and people are going to vote him out. And here's the other thing. Even if somehow he keeps you know, his powder dry the entire time, which he has not done, he's too big a physical threat. The people are going to be afraid of his, you know, him being jacked. Uh, post-merge, even though we've gone on record saying that doesn't matter anymore, if it ever did. Uh, yeah, Rodney cannot make it through 39th base of this game. Agreed. He's not as awful as we thought he would be. He has 0% chance of winning. Uh, you got anybody else? Uh, just Alec. Okay, make, oh, good. Uh, I was worried that you were going to let him sneak. Nope. Alec is not winning this season. Alright. Another thing we talked about on the Twitter. See, if you really want to get the full podcast experience, you should follow us on Twitter. Even if you don't have a Twitter account, just, I don't know, RSSS, check it us out, at Purple Rock Pod. We are putting together something for you all that might be even more fun and exciting than this podcast. That's a very high bar, Andy. Tell them what it is, though. It's, it's all marketing here. Uh, look, it's March, and you're going to see soon, if you're not already, the Almost every website you visit is going to put some kind of bracket together where they have you guys vote for different things going in head-to-head matchups until an ultimate victor is claimed because every time you come back, that's, you know, hits on a website. And we're no different. Uh, well, we are going to... Dis- yes, we are in that we're not profitable. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we get nothing out of this. But, yeah. The feeling of joy when we check out our stats. Uh, we have put together the ultimate survivor bracket. 64 far- former survivor contestants, uh, going head to head in an NCAA ter- style tournament to determine who is the ultimate survivor. Yeah, and, uh, we basically we broke up those 64 into groups of 16, and we divided them by eras of survivor. I actually have the most recent era, which I decided to name the leaders of the new school. And uh just a quick tease, one of my matchups, we haven't released them all yet, um, we'll put them up shortly, but my number one seed is Kim from One World, and my number 16 seed is Fabio from Nicaragua, because all of you that think Fabio was a remotely good winner, or that Nicaragua was a good season, he's the 16 seed because he's the worst. Yeah, it's possible that that's just a Trojan horse we put in there for any of you who vote for him to just get blocked. (laughs) (laughs) If you vote for Fabio over Kim, you are dead to us. But uh, the basic methodology, we'll go over this in the post, is uh, to get our 64 is if you won the game, you're in. Uh, We're not going to be too pissy about that. So Fabio cleared that bar just barely, and we made sure he was still a 16th seed. Here's another thing. He's the only person from Nicaragua. Get out of here with this Marty and Brenda stuff. Yes. uh, now further, you know, if you were in that Hall of Fame, you got to make it. If you've been back three times, you made it. And after that, uh, the four of us, yourself, me, and our, uh, blog contributors, Emma and Matt, uh, made lists and formed the last 22, and it was odd. It actually worked out the way we voted that we found exactly 22. Nailed it. Yeah, and I think if you look, uh, certainly you'll let us know who you feel we left out. We're, we're interested in that kind of discussion and debate. Uh, frankly, we thought we were going to have more of that discussion to pay it offline, but, you know, apparently we just nailed it. 64. These are the 64 people. Uh, and yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I think uh, you guys will see a lot of fun matchups. Uh, my favorite matchup, I think, right now, and I, I made the matchups, uh, so, uh, yeah, I tried to rank people as fairly as possible, but I was also trying to create a little bit of interest within the matchups itself. 
And I put Danny versus Chris Dotry because I'm tired of everybody giving Chris Dotry all the credit in the world for playing his underdog game and then just ignoring Danny. I feel like there's very little discernible difference between those two, and now let's let them fight it out. You know what subset of people are going to rush in and vote for Chris in that poll, don't you? Honestly, I'd say Chris is a good chance of winning, but I want people to be confronted with their feelings. <laughs> I want them to look at that. You're and holding like, a mirror to Survivor fans' faces. Is that what you're doing here? Yeah, and I want them to look at themselves and explain what Chris did that was awesome that Danny didn't do. Because I, I don't think you can. Uh, and spoiler alert, I'm not voting. Uh, and then uh, another fun matchup, just because uh, it's somewhat uh, current, is uh, I like that uh, the reigning Mr. and Mrs. Survivor are facing each other in the first round. Yes, they are. So uh, that's the sort of thing you guys will see, and I think it's going to be a lot of fun. So um, we're just working on putting all the posts together, and I think you'll uh, probably see, uh, hopefully see the posts starting next week. Uh, we are going to have it aligned to the NCAA tournament, so basically it'll be two voting periods a week. The first half of a week, you'll we'll do, say, the round of 64, the next, the round of 32, and then the following week, you get your Sweet 16, Elite 8, Final Four, winner. And I now know that I threw a lot of sporty terms at you guys, and maybe you guys aren't all sportos like us. Or they're math terms. I mean... That's right. Divide by two each time. Um, all right. Next week. What, what's going on? So we better predict what's going on. We gotta predict who's going home because that's the next exciting feature on our website where I'm actually posting our predictions. So you need to give it a little bit of thought, John. Yeah. But more than just picking us who's getting out, we have to kind of figure out what the structure because we get two episodes next week. Yeah, I think there was a hint, and I don't know for certain that I read it correctly, but it it sounds like one of these that might actually be a medical issue, mm-hmm. and then one will be a vote. Yeah, like the preview certainly showed them stop a challenge and somebody's asking if there's blood. And given that there is two, uh, it does, I mean, you always have to worry those are just red herrings that they put in there, as though the threat of a medical evacuation is so exciting that it's going to get people to turn tune in. Right. Oh, fantastic. Next week is going to be a meaningless episode with no drama. Woo! But the fact that they cram two together could be, it's like, ah. And especially if it was a uh, an injury at a challenge. Because then there's no time to recover and just say, all right, we're still doing the voting. Uh, it's too late in the episode. So that could be one reason why they're squishing it together. Another reason could be that the first vote is just another by the numbers. This is the next person, uh, like tonight was. And they're like, oh, crap, we're having two duds in a row. So then they squeeze in a good one with it. Uh, in fact, maybe the swap, uh, some people are thinking. Another reason could be that the whatever actually also airs on CBS that night is taking the weed night off. I don't know. <laughs> well, traditionally, at least, in three tribe seasons, which there's only been, I think, three before this, usually we do a swap after the fourth person goes home. So if this season follows that pattern, after the first episode of next week, we're getting a swap. Now, the question would be is if the first one is the medical evac, maybe they don't do a swap because it's like, oh, we wanted like an extra trip to tribal council and they didn't get to burn another challenge. Although I suppose swapping doesn't affect challenges. It would still be the team game. Right. Uh, man, there's just so many variables to take into consideration while we're picking. Grow some balls, Andy. Make your picks. One last thing. Probst uh, on his EW thing is like, next week's going to be awesome. But, you know, whatever. That's just noise at this point. Yeah, when has Probst ever said, next week is going to suck? Yeah, it's like, eh, you know what? Maybe just go out with your family. <laughs> um, but it's like, that was enough to make me think, like, maybe I should make a bold pick. But because I don't know if somebody's getting hurt, I don't know if there's a swap or anything, I'm just going really safe, and I, I say Will's gone. I think uh they're just going to lose again. For one, it's hard to stop the bleeding in uh, the three-tribe format. When they're down to this many, the other tribes are getting rewards and immunities. You're getting no rewards. You probably, you know, had underlying flaws to begin with. So it's often that you keep losing in this scenario. And I think they lose one more time and send Wilhelm. And then I, I just went with Kelly because I'm thinking that this could be the explanation of why somebody who otherwise seems pretty decent uh, in her... Online footage, she seems alright, is like a complete non-entity, is either she's the medical evac, 
Or a swap happens and she just, like, is poorly swapped. She's the only person on the that tribe or something like that. Damn, because those were going to be Same. my exact picks. Uh, I actually thought Thanks Kelly... Go first. I thought Kelly would be the uh, evac for precisely the same reasons you did, because that would explain why they haven't given her any sort of development whatsoever. And then Will is the easy pick for getting booted off. So I'm going to stick with Kelly as my medical evac, and to get booted, let's go with, say, Lindsay. I'll go out on a limb. All right, so those are our picks. Uh, I'll be posting them on our website uh, probably early next week. Along with uh, the new feature we're doing, letting you guys vote. Uh, listeners, let us know who you think's going home and see if you're better at making predictions than we are. Hey, they so got it right this are. week. That's right. We, we So far, after three weeks, uh, John and I are both 0 for 3. Um, and after one week, our listeners are 1 for 1. The majority of you picked Nina, and you were right. So uh, see if you can beat us at our own game. But, you know, probably not. You're probably going to want to pick Will and Kelly, too. Uh I will say, this is another area where I came dangerously close to picking Shireen. And that's the thing, like, if, if I really thought the Probst was telling us the truth, that it was going to be somebody bigger named, then I would have, uh, you know, maybe it was a Shireen. But at the same time, I feel like if he's telling the truth, maybe this is when she turns it around. I don't know. But you're on thin ice, that's all I'm saying. John's driving the bandwagon, I'm the skeptic, I suppose. And your mother's a whore, Andy. And with that, I want to remind you that you can follow us on Twitter at Purple Rock Pod. You can send us emails, purplerockpodcast at gmail.com. Or that blog I keep talking about is located at purplerockpodcast.wordpress.com. Anything else, John? That's all. And if you want to see me get angry on Twitter, just send something about Shireen to at Purple Rock Pod. Theme music! That's what it's like when a woman wants a baby.